Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. What's up, SEO pros? Welcome to our show. Uh, you can learn a lot of valuable insights. And today we discuss more about SEO, why uh, it's important for SEO to share value. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with Lee Wilson. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Nice to see you. Yeah, yeah, me too. I check out your profile. You know this topic very well. So before we start, just tell more about you, yourself, your experience, background, and why you decided to pay attention with SEO, to develop yourself with SEO field and share value about that. Yeah, sure. So I'm Lee Wilson. I'm the Service Operations Director at Vertical Leap. I'm also a multiple published author on topics like SEO and data-driven marketing. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working with some of the largest brands in the business, as well as lots of startups and everything in between. So I've been involved in the industry since the early 2000s, so around 20 years now. Um, I'm also a dad to a nine-year-old um, daughter, um, husband, son, family man. And so um, SEO has been very much a staple of my career. It's something I'm very passionate about. Um, I think it's a fantastic industry with amazing people and lots of opportunities to, to do some amazing work. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, you mentioned about that you uh, cooperated with big brands. Can you tell what is the main difference when you cooperate with uh, projects that uh, start from scratch and when you need to provide SEO services for big brands? Because, you know, they have some restrictions, limits. They, uh, you know, when they tell them you need to create content to add more text to their pages uh, and uh, they can reply, you know, we can't do it because it doesn't work for us, you know, but if you want to get SEO traffic, uh, sometimes we need it. Can you tell more about this experience, how to cooperate with them, how to convince them and yeah, how to get traffic for big brands? Yeah, sure. It's an interesting topic, actually, because people assume that a large brand means that everything's easy when it comes to SEO because of the power of the brand and the scale of the business. But actually, it can put together a lot of challenges. So one of the areas that you've identified already is talking about some of the complexities, the sort of the layers of, of kind of um, different areas of the business that you'd need to go through to get sign off process and things like that in place. And so um, a lot of the times when it comes to larger brands, it's really about figuring out the best way to prioritize action. So there can be so much opportunity, um, so much to act on. But actually, um, there's always a, a struggle when it comes to prioritizing which actions to do first, which actions need to be the kind of the always on element of SEO. Um, and which actions um, to apply at sort of a national or global scale and those to apply more to local level because all of these different decisions and choices you make um, ultimately impact how you prioritize the actions and, and what out of all of those opportunities you decide to sort of um, drive forward with the most. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about branding? How it's important uh, to have strong brand recognition when you promote website today? Uh, because, you know, uh, uh, I have a few clients that started from scratch and it's hard to satisfy this uh, factor, your money, your life uh, in the financial field. And yeah, uh, they need to have this uh, media coverage, uh, brand recognition. So we're, we are working with that. Uh, what do you think about branding uh, for SEO? It's important today or uh, we can just make foundation like backlinks and content? I think branding's always very important. I think with brand comes a lot of trust and credibility. Um, a lot of the sort of um, the signals that are tied to expertise, authority and trust that underpin a lot of the success online. 
Um, you, with, with a big brand, you expect large volumes of things like reviews, but you also ex expect large volumes of data and ways in which you use that data to service the audience, their wants, their needs, their pain points, and give back to the community by providing the value that they're looking for. And so that might be in sort of surfacing more of the experts within the brand. Um, and actually, the, funny enough, brands now are very different than what they were a few years ago online. So previously, it would almost be taken for granted if you're a large brand, you would rank consistently well across all of your main sort of key topics and term areas. Um, now there's actually sort of multiple layers to brands. And so it's not just the commercial fact or face of the brand, but it's also um, showcasing the experts behind the brands and using those people in a, in a credible way so that you sort of combine the personal brand with the commercial brand. Um, and a lot of the times it's those experts, their authorship, their trust, um, and the way in which they engage within the community, um, be that in forums, online communities and offline areas too, um, where you get that sort of the combined value really of um, not only the, the large brand and the corporate level, but also the individuals. And when you think about um, the power of the brand in local communities, it's the individuals that can be surfaced that are within each of those areas, which they make the real difference between, um, you know, what the brand says at a sort of corporate or top level and how that communication and that message filters through to people on the sort of on the communities, the forums and, and all of those sorts of areas too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, non SEO methods work well, you know, yeah. It's better to pay attention with social media, forums, any other places to communicate with your customers, visitors uh, to provide value because EAT can <laughs> check it out, you know, so <laughs> we don't know exactly how it works, but yeah, we know that we, you need to improve trust and uh, how you can do it without sharing value first. You know, uh, I remember when I started my SEO agency, uh, uh, my name was nobody. Uh, I had no traffic, anything, you know, but uh, uh, I tried to find my way how I can convince customers to buy, to buy from my site. That's why I spent uh, more time to uh, provide free consultancy. I just uh, share value before uh, trying to sell. Uh, today, of course, when uh, I have uh, limited time, uh, lack of time, so yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think when you have some audience, you can do it as well, but uh, it's more about uh, sharing educational videos or uh, blog posts or posts on social media to cover uh, huge audience. But when you start from scratch, you can do it uh, face to face, you know, <laughs> to help yeah. customers. And my first payment was $200, not a lot, but I, I spent three days to convince, uh, to share how I can help, to explain uh, the way where we need to go. And yeah, that was not bad, you know, to get this uh, $200. <laughs> I think okay. that's right. I think it's interesting you said naturally about um, providing something of value for free. So I think these sorts of things work fantastically well. So when Taking your example, people provide things like free website audits, don't they, quite a lot to try and um, showcase their expertise, provide some value, um, and also get that initial hook within their audience. So they know people you know, want these things. They provide it initially for free to a certain level. And then if you want something more in-depth or more tailored or more you know, bespoke towards your requirements, then there's sort of an opportunity to, to take that forward towards more of a, a paid element. And when you're giving something valuable to your audience, it only you know, derives rewards further down the line for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Uh, 
we have the comment by the way uh i have the same question seo book pro uh, wrote the comment uh about uh when we have super huge amount of all this video uh you need different approach uh, you know uh my question is uh related to that for example uh if uh, i'm looking for keywords on semrush hrs or any other tools i can see uh, a bunch of keywords and if i type them on google google lists a million results for any keywords even long tail keywords how to find the right strategy today when the market is overwhelmed when uh, uh, many other uh, high quality content online uh, provide insights about that i think i think that's a, a great question actually so you there is there there are very it's very difficult to try and find any term now um or search query that doesn't have a huge level of, of competition so even even when you see on these different tools like semrush ahrs Mars, and all these other ones lower lower levels of competition that's still vast compared to what it was two three five ten years ago um, and so really it comes down to um the value of those key terms and those topics to your business so there's lots of different layers of terms so some have intent which is a um, financial or commercial intent. Some are informational. Some are more to do with um, you know other areas like location and, and other ways. And so, what I'd look to do is try and get a real mixture of different types of terms so that you're you're visible and present within all the key conversations that matter most to your business. Not all of those conversations need to have commercial intent. So they don't always have to have transactions in mind or an end goal being that someone buys something from you. Um, ultimately, you want to be present in conversations that matter to your audience. And so, you know, sometimes there's topics like sustainability, for example, um, and those topics might matter a huge amount to your audience when they make a buying decision, but they might have nothing directly to do with what you sell, whether that's a product or service. And so it's really important that you understand your audience and um, what they're looking for, not only from the product or service, but from you as a business as well. And then you prioritize or categorize these areas. And then it's about just making sure that you're, um, you know, you're looking at the right areas. You've got a right mix of areas throughout the funnel. So you're not just targeting bottom of funnel commercial intent because you're missing out on all these sort of education and informational visibility areas at the top of the funnel. Um, and then it's a case of kind of refining these iteratively as you go, because you, there's never going to be a perfect kind of mixture of these terms, but the closer you are towards understanding what matters to your business the most, pairing that off with what matters most to your audience, and then kind of refining that with the content you produce, the videos you produce, um, the type of areas you're optimizing for on an ongoing basis. It's that iterative and sort of ongoing refinement approach, which is going to derive the most gains over a long period of time. It, it's never a kind of a, you have a one go and it works brilliantly and that's the best it can be. There's, there's always an initial effort, uh, a data gathering period, a review and refinement period. And that cycle kind of keeps going really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Love it. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, sharing value. Uh, can you tell how to consider what kind of value uh, you will bring to the audience uh, uh, when you create your uh, content strategy? You know, for example, for six months or for an year, it doesn't matter. Just, yeah, uh, how to consider this value before creating content? Yeah, sure. So understanding comes from data initially. So the more meaningful data you have as possible. So in my current role, um, we use an intelligent marketing solution. And the idea of that, it pulls in lots of different data points from all over the place, um, brings them all together in one area and enables you to sort of run intelligent algorithms over that data and do a lot of the data heavy lifting. 
Um, and the purpose of that really is it means that as an expert, you're then presented with meaningful or useful data that's closer to be ready to be used for sort of value-based action taking. Um, and the value of that is that data is changing all of the time. So not just your own internal data and data when you crawl your website, but every time someone says something new on social media, every time there's a new a new story that comes out that's relevant to your industry. Um, all of the, every time a new one of your competitors writes a new blog post, creates a new product, revises their service, all of these are opportunities to sort of understand and take action. And so, for me, the the, the fundamental part of um, providing value is having the data, all of the mechanisms in place to be aware of what. Um, your changing audience wants, needs, and pain points are. Because as a business, you might have very clear um, processes in place of where you want to be, where you want to go, and where you anticipate your audience wants, needs, and pain points are. But it's amazing how quickly they can change. Um, obviously, in the last sort of couple of years, we've seen you know the impact that things like um, coronavirus and COVID has had on people's buying behaviours, um, how they need that sort of offline experience online. And all of these other sort of myriad of very smaller changes towards things that they need. So conversational search, for example, they don't they don't want to pick up a telephone or walk into a branch to find out what's best for them. They want all of that information online in a content type they can digest on the move very quickly, regardless of where they are, what device they're using. Um, and so really, it's about making sure as a business you have your plan, but also you're very agile in, in how you approach it. And you're always listening to the data and have everything in place so that the data can prescriptively be kind of updating you of new opportunities because ultimately you want to be either the first to act on, on a new opportunity or certainly one of the new um, companies to be able to fully kind of service that, that new requirement as it comes up. Because value is ultimately about understanding and understanding ultimately comes from listening um, and listening kind of comes from the data, wherever that data is, social media, um, telephone calls, surveys you do with your business, you know, first and third party cookies, all, all of that sort of stuff. Nice, nice. Uh, and, you know, I like your reply because uh, you mentioned about uh, some uh, non-tool approaches because, you know, offensive when webmasters are looking uh, for uh, deciding all problems on SEMrush or HRFs, you know, but uh, the era of lazy marketers is that, you know, uh, when I speak with many speakers, they usually uh, highlight you need to talk to customers, you need to speak with uh, your audience in many ways. It's uh, You can do it on forums, on social media, you can uh, speak with sales department to know what kind of yeah. problems they have and think more about creating content uh, considering this. Yeah, People's sales teams, look, everyone that's on the first line, um, communication with customers so sales customer services every single person that has a has a contact point with a customer or a potential customer is perfect to understand their wants needs and pain points because they're the people that are having those open conversations with them and a lot of the times from that first um sort of direct interaction with people that's where you get the, the really genuine information where you know, people don't filter themselves the same way as they would do if they're filling out a form or clicking on a survey or um, providing data in other areas. And so you, know, you, you can't beat direct communication when it comes to gathering genuine data insights from your, from your customers and audience. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have the question from SEO Book Pro. I'm building a drive audit tool using Google API with JSON and program search include Google Ads. Can't, can't understand how SEO rely only on SEMrush when they index their websites first in 
Google search and ah, it's more about uh, the difference uh, that uh, SEMrush can show one data, uh, Google Search Console can show another data. But you know, uh, I usually rely on Google Search Console uh, at that point because yeah, we have more accurate data. It's like from Google. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, SEMrush is more about uh, checking out websites that you can't analyze because you have no access you know, to Google Search Console or analytics. Uh, yeah, I think uh, these tools are great to analyze competitors, but if you want to check out your website, it's better to use Google Search Console no, and Google Analytics at that point. Yeah, I think whatever tools you decide to use, every tool has its strengths and limitations. I think, as you yeah. said, you can't go wrong with Google's own tools because ultimately the, the data is coming from you know, the service provider with the largest global impact on um, the business where you want to attract. In most cases, you know, you're looking at 85% of the of the target market being on that specific search engine. And then you bring in other search engines they own, like YouTube, for example. And, mm -hmm. and then you see that how that quickly scales up. And so, yeah, absolutely. If, if data coming from tools that the, that the service providers use directly and, and provide directly are great. If you're using um, multiple tools, really, it's about making sure you've got enough different data points to fill as many of those data gaps as possible, because no specific tool will have all of the data. They'll all have kind of um, segments of it that are most relevant towards what that tool is looking to achieve. And so tools like SEMrush are fantastic for identifying keyword opportunities, keyword gaps, comparing competitors. And obviously, a lot of that information is geared around those outputs, whereas tools like um, you know, Google Search Console, for example, is all of that kind of pre-click opportunity, which is direct from the search engine, um, and therefore a huge amount of un untapped opportunity um, lies within there for sure. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, I have the question about uh, prioritization. For example, we have data. We analyzed, we found data. How prioritize our efforts if we have limited resources? In most cases, we have, for example, uh, companies can uh, share, I don't like, uh, 10,000 K, uh, 10,000 dollars per month, or I don't know, uh, uh, or uh, only uh, two copywriters we have in our team, uh, one designer. So we have limited resources. How to uh, choose priorities when we have a lot of data, so many keywords, we, we know that it's hard to create a lot of uh, high quality content. We need to less, but quality is key. How to prioritize all of that and choose, okay, uh, I need to take this way. It's one, it's one of the toughest challenges for, for anyone in SEO because SEO is, is an always on element of, of marketing. It never stops. There's always something new. There's always a new threat, a new opportunity, something changing in the industry, in the industry new technology, new devices, new um, algorithm updates. I mean, there's always something. Um, and so it's one of the, the largest challenges to prioritize how you effectively use your resources. And again, it, it comes down to justification, really. So for me, it's about trying to take a step back from the data. So a lot of people look at data with a preconceived idea of, I want to create this content, and now I want the data to, to prove that I'm right. Whereas actually, there's a really key step, which is just to look at the data fresh, take a step back, don't have any preconceived ideas of what you're writing, and let the data come to you with information. And so for me, it's about you know, what's the search volume? Um, what type of intent is it? Um, what's the, the projected impact on my business? What are the competitors doing? Um, how much content is out there? 
Um, what are the current trends for that topic? Um, because it's not always about the trend going upwards. Some, sometimes you want to be doing all the groundwork when, when actually there's a lull in the trend, because what you can do then is place content there that starts to build the value before everybody else is focusing on it. So this content that's seasonal, that's that's going to appear inside and out every single year that we would kind of categorize as kind of evergreen content. Other people might call it kind of cornerstone content. Um, and so there's there's lots of opportunities to, to be ahead of the curve by knowing when that seasonality happens and then doing a lot of your groundwork before it's that peak season, because then it's much easier for the search engines to filter through the results because they're already looking at um, content that's acquired backlinks, for example, that's already being shared and there's already buzz and PR and all of these social signals going around it. Whereas the, the mistake that people make all too often is prioritizing things too late. So you're kind of, you're following the trend, but, but after it's happened, and then you're already trying to break into the trend because everybody else is already there. And so for me, prioritization comes down to many factors but really, it's about trying to verify and justify as much as possible in an objective way using the data. You know, why should I invest in this? Why should I spend my time on this versus something else? And how can I prove that that's the case? And so if even if you're the only decision maker, it's, it can be quite useful sometimes to imagine yourself in a, in a meeting with a huge customer telling them why you're why you would justify choosing this content or this action over another one. And if you feel really comfortable that you've done all the due diligence, that all of the data is telling you that, then actually the chances are you're, you're probably prioritizing the right things. If you're actually just doing it based on gut feel or simply because you've seen a competitor put something up and you think, oh, yeah, we need to do the same, then actually the chances are that that's not the right thing to do. And you should kind of look at the data again and, and try to look at it more objectively. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Love it. And, you know, uh, I usually check out uh, two metrics. For example, if I have a hundred ideas, uh, topic ideas uh, for my client, I usually check out uh, keyword difficulty. If I see that competitors have a lot of backlinks and I know it's hard to create them, so I, I skip these topics. And the second way I check out uh, lack of quality content. If I see competitors have uh, irrelevant content, lack of quality content, outdated information. So it's a big opportunity. You know, especially I, I like when uh, we have in the top 10 results uh, Amazon or many other websites, but with completely irrelevant content. So, yeah, that means Google doesn't know what to show. And, yeah, it's a big chance uh, to jump there. I think uh, that's great ideas, actually. It's always, it's always a good idea before you create anything just to see who's ranking for it and where they're ranking. So... If they weren't ranking first, ultimately your, your initial goal should be, can I create something that's better than anyone that's ranking in the top two or three results? Because if you're if the if the if the quality isn't there, then the depth, the completeness of coverage, then regardless of all the other backlinks and all these other factors that are going to impact whether or not it'll, it'll perform well, you need to be sort of honest about whether you can create something as good or better than the very top performing content first. And you're right, if it's highly competitive and if you've got question marks over the type of output you're able to produce versus the competition. So if they've got huge resources, lots of interactive content, lots of statistics, lots of internal research, if you can't compare with that, then ultimately there's probably a different way to approach that same topic. So a different type of content, for example, um, there might be a, a feature snippet, a, re a rich result within the Google search results. So you might be able to target something more visual or video based if it's a static piece. Um, or you might be right, as, as in it, it may be too difficult for where you are right now. And actually there might be something that's less difficult, but still targeting the same audience in a similar way that you could actually 
create and target for a shorter sort of term potential uplift or increase in, in key metric areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Awesome. Uh, okay, we have the question. How many pages and keywords you think can organically in Google search? <laughs> so broad question. <laughs> yeah, well, by the way, uh, as you book pro wanna know your opinion and mine, you can start. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so really realistically, how how much you can how many terms you can rank for, how many pages you can have, it all comes down to the demand. So if you're in a very niche industry, very, very targeted, very small niche, then it's going to be fairly challenging to expand that because you know, th there's a certain there's a certain point at which you're kind of over servicing a topic or you're over servicing a niche. Um, there's only so much information you can write about, um, you know, post-it notes, for example. I mean, a post-it note's a post-it note. There's processes, there's quality, there's benefits, there's differentiators, there's you know, ways in which you can talk about use and all these other things. But um, ultimately, it's it, you have to be realistic when it comes down to the, the size of your audience. And again, th there's never going to be, um, every industry is different, every website's different. Um, there are ways to become very creative. So there's a lot of visibility opportunity for um, lots of um, ranking content in new platforms like TikTok, for example. There's lots of ways that brands can be fun and to provide content that's much more outside of that traditional content which is this is my product these are the benefits this is the price point these are the reviews there's obviously lots of traditional content but in the new sort of um, mediums where we're in now there's so much more content that be created that's that's fun and engaging and the purpose of that content isn't to sell um, it's to be present and it's to sort of be involved in new audiences and in new areas where your brand would never traditionally get exposed so Whilst you might not convert one in every thousand in, in those sort of scenarios, there's still there's still a potential commercial value, and actually all of that brand exposure will still fuel your ranking value and all these other triggers to do with the brand and, and all these other areas that will help you to rank in the more commercial areas too. So, in a long-winded way, I'm saying there's no number of, of there's no limit, um, there's no number of terms, there's no ideal number, um, but ultimately it's about what's it's about what's relevant to your audience and how large your niche is and, and what your audience are looking for. Because ultimately, there's no point creating content if nobody wants to read it and if there's no interest or no data saying that there's a, a purpose for it. Otherwise, you're just kind of writing words for words sake and you're not going to get any impressions or clicks or conversions off the back of it. So it's really about understanding where that tipping point is. And you'll find that you know by by naturally creating the right kind of content and using you know lots of different data points to understand that. So you know tools like Ahrefs and Semrush are great for kind of identifying the different types of content on topics. And there's lots of other tools like Answer the Public where you can kind of see all of the different types of questions that people are answering or asking, sorry, and looking for information on. And so it, I've never I've never seen a website where they've maxed out and there's you can't get any more rankings, you can't get any more content out there. So I don't think there's a ceiling, but for extremely niche areas, it's probably you know, there's probably a point at which you feel like you're creating content for content's sake. And you'll know that because the metrics won't be there to justify continuing on that particular topic, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, uh, um, I agree with you but you know uh, you know uh, it's interesting uh, i i wanna just uh, reply to this question with numbers for example um, uh, of course you have no limits uh, and but uh, it depends on your resources for example cnn bbc new york times any other 
websites can post a hundred pieces of content a day. They have resources. They have big teams, you know, uh, uh, departments who can write, edit, submit content. So they can. But if you have limited resources, I usually do it like this. For example, I know uh, it's better to create one piece of content. If I can't improve it, if uh, it's my limit uh, with uh, writing, editing, creating, uh, design, drawing, you know, submitting, uh, optimizing. So uh, only then I go to another piece if I can't improve it. It's like my 10 score. Uh, if uh, I can see that uh, I can provide something better, much better, for example, to edit more, to write more words, to uh, uh, share more value or uh, create a new design. Yeah, then I pay attention with that, uh, trying to increase my uh, internal score. It's like uh, from one to ten. Uh, when I have ten score and I know my resources can't improve it, then I go to, to the next topic. So uh, it's more about your uh, resources. But you have no uh, limits on Google, on any other places. But uh, uh, we mentioned a few times, uh, create less, but quality. Just find this score in yeah. your system. 100, 100%. I think you know, there's very few areas where you'd want to create volume of content over the quality. It's really about how you use your resources to produce the best version of that piece of content that you can achieve. Um, and you're right, then it goes into that sort of review, refine, improve process. And so realistically key content on your website never really stops evolving because you know there's always new data new statistics new trends new information to refresh and add more value to that content and so yeah i think that's that's exactly right i think the only time that might change if you're if you're a brand new website um you need some degree of volume to kind of um, make sure you're covering the fundamentals um but again i'd much rather hold, postpone making a website live until you've got the real quality content rather than going live with a really shallow kind of you know limited content levels that that don't reflect your brand values or your or your or your skill sets with an expertise within the business so it's always worth focusing on the value rather than volume for sure Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. By the way, it's for Google, you know, uh, for social media, I have a different approach, quite different approach, you know, <laughs> because uh, I know that many marketing books uh, coaches proclaim that you need to create uh, high quality content for social media. I disagree with that, really, <laughs> because, you know, for me, uh, you know, when you uh, spend time to create high quality content for social media and your post will die for uh, 20, 40 minutes, you know, and uh, uh, it doesn't matter because, you know, for example, when I create 100 pieces of content for social media, like uh, 100 posts, uh, and uh, if I spend like uh, all my time to create uh, only only like five pieces of the best high quality content, I can get much higher results with 100 pieces, you know, because quantity can, can help to improve quality as well. You know, for social media, when you uh, are consistent, when you post alone, when you share any breaking news, uh, uh, just, yeah, think more about sharing value. On social media, for me, quantity works much better. You know, I, I took, uh, I stole this approach from Gary Vee. No, uh, he, he, he shared that you need to provide quantity, not quality for social media. And I, I agree with that. It works for me. 
I think that's I think that's right. I think there's there's lots of you know you've got to remember lots of different channels have different purposes and yeah. social media is a conversation and you want to be present within the conversation as it's happening. That doesn't enable you to do you know spend hours and hours on every single post because you're going to miss out on so many other conversations that way. And when you think about Twitter, that they're, they're micro blogging platforms. They're there for sort of very quick sort of sharing of snippets to entice people to read more or see a video or to or to continue that conversation should they want to. And really, you're there to throw in the information to hook that initial conversation or to create that initial piece of engagement or to share that breaking piece of news and you don't want to miss out on all those things because you're spending hours and hours weeks and weeks trying to create the perfect post because then it's already been and gone and there's a new conversation happening and it's too late then right yeah yeah uh okay let's talk about value uh for link building i think it's more important you know when you provide value in link building campaigns because we uh, still have a lot of uh, black hat techniques automation you know uh and uh, yeah webmasters can't get results because in most cases they don't know what kind of services they order you know they just find um agencies and they can uh create reports and it's hard to understand uh it's the same for example if i go to the doctor and he will write me a prescription i don't understand anything from that yeah i can agree because i can trust the doctor so you need to trust your as a specialist as well can you tell more about how to share value uh, for link building campaigns yeah sure so, so so for me link building um and link worthy content it all begins with the content itself and so the ultimate goal from SEO, from link building, is to create content that fuels its own links in a natural way. And then what you're really doing is kind of just keeping that sort of link building fire going by keeping adding oxygen to it, by sharing it, by making sure the right people are seeing it and by nudging it in the right directions. And so for me, there's there's no point trying to do link building off of really poor quality content that doesn't have any value or association to your audience because if your if your content doesn't isn't built with a purpose to bring something new and valuable and different to your audience, and that could be opinion, it could be a, a free tool, it could be um, a new data um, sort of set, it could be a new piece of resource um, research, it could be all sorts of things. But ultimately, the litmus test is if I was if I was a part of your audience and you're approaching me saying this is this there's this new amazing thing and I really want you to talk about it and share it and cover it in the local media and all of these types of things it's like is that is that piece of content good enough to achieve those end results and if it's not then you should go back to that piece of content or that image or that video or that infographic or that opinion piece whatever it might be and make it good enough to be worthy of generating links and then you've got to say okay so what's my purpose do I want to generate links or do I want to generate buzz and awareness and brand value and people to be engaged and excited and interact with the brand and to tell us how great this new tool is and how much value it's added to them? When you think about things like um, free mortgage tools, for example, they're great because they, they make something simple. So somebody wants to take out a mortgage. They have no idea how much they can take out. They have no idea how much it costs, how feasible it is, what type of properties they can look for. And so these tools are created with a purpose and a value. And so naturally, someone uses that tool, they find it really valuable, and they talk about it, and then they share it, and they engage with it. And that genuine sort of linkable content is the key thing. It has to be based on value. Why would anybody want to share, engage, link to something if there's no valuable, no, no value, no purpose, no use to them? Because then it just comes back to the old days of sort of sending out thousands of the same emails, and just hoping someone adds a link to your content from a resource page. And it's 
what's the value of that? I mean, how many people are going to click on that and visit your website or know your brand or, you know, it, it's kind of, it comes back to creating something valuable, pushing it out to the right people in the right ways, making sure that there's a genuine reason and purpose behind it beyond just links. Um, because ultimately it's a link isn't going to generate much value. Um, what generates the value is people really enjoying what you've given them. And then from that, all of the different conversations, the buzz, the awareness, the backlinks, all of these other things that happen more naturally there. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, can you tell about creating linkable content? Because, you know, the last time I can see that uh, uh, many marketers proclaim that you need to create linkable content. It's much simpler to get links than uh, try and uh, to then setting outreach campaigns, you know, PR campaigns. When you have linkable content that provide a strong reason to link to your content. Can you tell how to create this content? Yeah, sure. I mean, everybody wants to have linkable content because you put it on your website, it naturally creates links. Um, it naturally gets picked up. You then, it's a lot easier to then turn things like mentions and citations into links and all these types of things. But actually, like most things in SEO, it, come, it comes down to the purpose of, of, of the piece in the first place. So that begins with the data. So it's, what are your audience looking for? You know, what are they talking about on social media? Um, what are your competitors doing? What's the top performing content on the competitor sites? Are there any gaps there? You can use tools like Ahrefs to see the most linked content, the most social media um, shared and engaged with content on different websites. And, and you can also see it on any topic too. So, you know, there's lots of ways in which you can see what's already working. And then I would kind of say, okay, if this is already working somewhere else, can I do it better? Um, is, is it as relevant to my audience as it is to theirs? Um, can we say something new and different? Can we create a, a new tool that's even better than the one that everybody's linking to? Because what you're then doing is saying, okay, this is already working. We've got something even better. All we need to do is amplify the message and make sure all of these people that love this existing thing are aware of this amazing thing that you've created that's even better. And then you've got the relevancy, you've got the value, you've got you know already a massive distribution list to, to say, look, you know, I've, I've seen you've linked to this already. Um, we've created this new amazing thing. You might have read about it here already. Um, I'd love you to review it. And then, then all of a sudden you're building up this huge kind of database of people that are already engaged on the topic. They're already talking about it. They're already linking to it. All you're really doing is saying there's some new, really cool, exciting stuff. You might want to talk about this too because you're already interested in it. And it becomes more human, more natural. Um, and for me, I think that's that's the main thing. If you've got something great, you've got something valuable, you've got something based on data, then it's kind of just applying the human layer, which is picking up the phone or saying, you know, engaging on LinkedIn, whatever it might be. But in a, in a natural way that's non-spammy and non-volume based, it's like, oh, highly, I, I saw you've just chatted about this on Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased you're interested in the topic. We've just created this new thing. You might not be aware of it because it's just happened. Here, here's where it is on the site. I'd love you to kind of try it and review it and tell us what you think about it. And, and that's so much more sort of useful and humanistic than just an email saying, you've linked to this. Can you link to this as well? And it's like, well, do I want to mm -hmm. or, or do I want to be treated as a human being? You know, you know, and it's, it's just lots of different ways to achieve that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, can you tell? how to learn SEO today, uh, your tips. For example, you have your experience, you know, if you start today from scratch uh, without any knowledge, what the way you will go? <laughs> um, so the first thing I would do is um, I'd follow really great people that are online on Twitter, um, Neil Patel, lots of people you've, you've 
you've chatted to and, and interviewed with. Um, people I trust, I, I'd go to specific websites like Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Land, places that aggregate good content that help you to stay on top of what's going on in the industry. Um, I would use Google tools. There's lots of free training tools through Google, through Google Garage and all these other sorts of places where you can pick up accreditations um, and, and things like that. Because ultimately, if, if I'm interviewing someone um, and they're brand new to the industry and they can't say I've worked with all these clients and, and achieved all the success, really what you're looking for is someone that's tried really hard to immerse themselves in the industry. They're really passionate about it. And they're aware of what's going on in the industry because it's really difficult to teach people to care, to be enthusiastic, to enjoy something. And if someone says, well, I, I follow all these people. I know this is going on in the industry. I've got all these certifications. I've, I, I, I read all these different blogs. I've got my own website. I try all these different things. I mean, that's for me, that that's equally as important as experience. And, and the, the key thing there is, it's great to get these accreditations. It's great to read stuff and it's great to follow key people in the industry because that information is distilled. It's brilliant. It means you can take action on it. The next stage of that is applying it. And there's no better way of doing that than just creating your own blog, you know, go onto WordPress, create your own website. Um, you know, it could be a hobby site. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what it's about because all you're really doing is demonstrating expertise. It's I've read this blog on core web vitals. I've applied this on my own website. That's awesome. Um, and it's mm -hmm. so much better than just, I know there's a thing called Core Web Vitals, but that's kind of where my my knowledge stops. It's just taking it that next couple of stages because it combines the theoretical with the practical, but also that passion and, and awareness of what's going on. And I think those those three strands are, are key, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, James Lawson want to know about the cost of marketing. Can you tell how to estimate and, I don't know, or... Uh predicts how much you need to spend to get marketing results what do you think it's really it's really tough right so so i would kind of look at it so how much do you spend on marketing as a whole um how much of your potential revenue can come from certain areas like you know social media seo um paid advertising offline advertising you know how much budget you have and then i'd look at it as percentages rather than specific monetary value because then what you're coming down to is how you prioritize how you spend your budget so it doesn't matter whether you've got one thousand pound a month or fifty thousand pounds a month if you're looking at percentages what you're basically saying is i understand where the opportunities are i understand how they fit with other other marketing channels whether that's email or direct mailing or um, offline areas like flyers or, or whatever else you do as a business and then how that works with, with other areas online and then what i'd look to do is is make sure that you don't spread yourself too thin so if you're looking to sort of do online for the first time i'd look at one area specifically first i wouldn't try and do paid and seo and social media and do all these things but very shallowly with a tiny budget and with tiny resource because they will all fail because you're not trying you're not giving it enough opportunity, enough focus, enough budget to be able to do one thing really well. So what I would do is I'd look at the competition. I'd see what they're doing. I'd look at how you can target one of those areas. And it's fine to kind of experiment with a little bit of paid and things like that. But ultimately, if you're saying SEO is where the opportunity is, really give it that up at that time, the resource, the budget to succeed. Most people would probably give up on SEO too soon. Um, without enough investment in resource, energy, time, budget. And so the the long-term benefits of staying with it are far outweigh that sort of the short-term concern of I've done SEO for a few weeks. I've, I'm not seeing enough 
telephone's ringing, I need to give it up and move on to something else because that's where the biggest problems are, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that completely. You know, guys, uh, I often see when uh, projects are trying to cover a lot of marketing channels, as you mentioned. Uh, why you need to do it if you have limited resources? Find one. SEO, pay-per-click, social media, influence marketing, it's up to you. Find one. Get results. Yeah. Uh, when you get results, uh, when you become not the best, but one of the best, then jump with other channels. Don't try to be jack of all trades, you know, with limited resources. I, I know that many people uh, are copying big companies. They they have resources. If you have no resources, then choose one channel. If you start from scratch, choose one channel. But if you have resources, why not? Sure, you can delegate some tasks to other marketing departments and get results with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it's a big pleasure, Lee, to see, to see you on my show, uh, to learn from you. Uh, provide, um, uh, share how people can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, sure. It's been a great pleasure talking today. So um, um, I'm on I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, and um, I'm actively working at um, UK Search Digital Marketing Agency, Vertical Leap. So I would say, you know, check out our blogs, check out, um, you can see my search engine journal, all sorts of places. I love SEO. I love talking about it and writing about it and all these types of things. So um, hopefully um, you'll find it, it, you know, today's chat useful and, you know, any other areas that I kind of add commentary useful too. So um, yeah, any, any, any of those sort of channels I'm present on. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent useful, especially for me. You know, I, I love learning from experts like you, you know, so I I, I, can, I believe that the audience will love as well. So we can check out engagement. Uh, thanks a lot again <laughs> for your time. It's a big pleasure to talk to you, to learn from you. Uh, yeah, to build our relationships. Uh, welcome back anytime. And uh, guys, you can find all links to Lee Wilson in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.